This is Secrets to Win Big, your roadmap to sustained growth. Brought to you by Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, brand whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. Find him at zenmango.com. And now, here's your host, Arjun Sen. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Hi, this is Arjun, and it's truly a pleasure to welcome you to this conversation. At Secrets to Win Big, we bring you conversations with incredible leaders from all over the world and all walks of life. And one of the things I want to share with you is that I love to win, you like to win too, but winning big takes you to a different level because winning big puts us on the path of sustained long-term win. And as each one of us as leaders start at different points and our destinations are different, listening to leaders from all walks of life becomes very key. In that spirit today, it's truly my pleasure to have an incredible conversation with Bob Mijlani. Bob is the CEO and founder of Embrace the Chaos, where he guides senior management executives in reaching mega success during change and transformation. And I think that part is incredibly important to look at is a lot of us claim to big wins, but achieving that big wins under the most difficult times, which is things are not constant, is changing and transformation. That I think really fascinated me. And I really had to talk to Bob to find out how he does it. He's also an author of three books, Embrace the Chaos, Treat Your Customers, and then Make Your Own Luck. And then to look at how Bob came to where he is today, he started at Pfizer. He started as a sales rep and grew his territory to number one. This itself was a very fascinating bio element about Bob that I was very fascinated. And of course, I'm going to ask him about how he did that. In the corporate impact, he made developed pricing strategies for Viagra, Lipitor, and Cerebrex, three of the big brands at Pfizer. And then he created the global health and value that was first of its kind and a very unique thing that put Pfizer in or a big step forward in the global map. So those 23 years of mega impact of transformation with teams, mergers, and that too in over 30 countries. A lot of mega learning and experience right there. After that, Bob has been the chief business officer at Applied Business Sciences, where he secured market entry for the company and also jump-started the brand with one of the biggest business deals. So when I reflect on Bob, it's very fascinating to see somebody who started from sales, skyrocketed, went into the corporate office of Pfizer and for 23 years to make an impact and then continue that. And now he's helping CXOs and CEOs everywhere. It's really fascinating. Bob, welcome to Secrets to Win Big. Thank you, Arjun. Nice to be with you today. So Bob, let's start You know, at the beginning of your amazing career. You started at Pfizer and you started as a rookie sales rep. Okay. How does the rookie take his territory to number one and you are competing with incredible salespeople. So it's not that you walk in and they give it to you. So how do you do it, man? 
You know, Arjun, I thank you for that question. Actually, the journey of becoming a number one sales rep is almost um, important to recognize the journey of how I got that job. You know, I was a kid out of college. I had no experience. I wrote to all the pharmaceutical companies. I wrote, you know, for jobs. And I, got, I would get rejection letters, Arjun. Right? In those days, we got rejection letters. Hmm. And I got a rejection letter from Pfizer. Bob, thank you for applying for the sales rep job. You don't have any experience. Good luck, right? So I sat on my desk. I was this kid out of college. And then it just sat there. And one day I picked it up. I said, there was a phone number at the bottom of the signature. So this, the head of sales wrote to me saying, thank you, but no, thank you. <laughs> okay. So one day I decided, you know, I was curious. So I called that number because all I wanted was an interview. I wanted a shot. And so I call that number, the secretary of the VP of sales answered. And I said, I'd like to speak to Mr. Allen. That was his name, head of sales. And he, and she said, well, what do you need? You know? And I said, well, I'd like to ask him for a job interview. She said, well, how did you get his name? I said, well, it was on this letter. And so she said, well, you have the rejection letter. Good luck. You know, what do you need to talk to him for? And I said, okay, I just thought I'd try. She said, no, honey, I'm sorry. So she was very nice and kind. So I, I hung up the phone. The next day I said, you know, I called her once. Why don't I try again? I'm curious if maybe I can get a shot. So I called her again. She said, I said, hi, it's me again. And I did this urgent 20 times, okay? Over a course of a month. I would call her, sometimes I'd get her voicemail, but I called her diligently and I said, you know, please give me a chance. I'm just a kid trying to get a job. I'm really interested in Pfizer, I'm really interested in sales. Uh, and she, at the end of the 20 days, she said, all right, you've got five minutes. I'm gonna put you through. I got on the call, call with this, the head of sales, the VP of sales, and he said, all right, my secretary thinks highly of you. I must talk to you. Okay, what do you got? I said, listen, I just want an interview. That's all I want. He goes, okay show up on a, you know, a month from now at our office in New Jersey. I'm going to give you a, sh a shot. You got one hour with the head of, uh, with the regional sales uh, person director. And so I had my interview and then I was, I had to prepare so diligently for that interview. I read all the best books about sales. I made a wonderful presentation about myself at that interview. And that night I was offered a job at the age of 22 for Pfizer sales rep job. In those days, they didn't hire kids out of college as much. And so that's the way I got the job. And to your point, the way I got that job is reflective of the way I became a number one salesperson, which is number one, you've got to have a passion and enthusiasm for wanting to win and win big, right? So you've got to have an enthusiasm, a passion, a desire for some goal that you have. And that was my goal. I wanted a job in a company in a big company where I can travel the world, experience different things. Number two, hard work. You've got to put the hard work in. And what I mean by hard work is read the books, attend the seminars, talk to people. And then third is persistence, persistence, persistence. Just keep going. Rejection after rejection after rejection, even when the time I was in, my, in the field force. And then number four, finally, the last thing I would say is you got to be a little different, you know, to stand out. So that's just kind of the way I got my job, uh, Arjun, and how I sort of became a successful salesperson. You know, a few things that fascinated me is I was thinking, what 
what did like i was trying to even guess in my mind what do you do when you get a rejection letter okay how do you even move that forward it's like if this was a date you're out like yes. totally three strikes but what i felt was as you were talking about i realized that every rejection has a door hidden somewhere okay and as you were talking about what i you know it made me feel that one no and 20 no's are still no right but to me the very fact you felt that you wanted to keep going at it and the phrase that you said was brilliant was attitude and passion for the goal is never dampened by failure i really feel that is a huge nugget right there yeah, yeah. it is i think you know arjun we've seen, we've all gotten rejected at some points in life i always look at it as if i either didn't explain myself well enough right or they misunderstood or i didn't understand the need so i didn't i mean yes of course you look at it personally for about 10 seconds you think oh i'm not good enough to get that job or something mm-hmm. but you know the longer you dwell on i'm not good enough concept of rejection the longer you're you're it's going to take you to succeed so let and me so, push you right there yes. that's something i really wanted to get to is most of us when we hear that first no and that too is typed in front of us in big bold letters with a signature it's a big emotional personal psychological hit okay you took 20 punches from mike tyson like that's yeah. what you did you yeah. came back yeah. every time like what was the yeah. secret when you hear a no yeah. you come back with a positive smile and call the person again right how do you do that how do you well you don't you, you i i mean it, i think what you have to do is to accept number 1 i think the most important thing is it's not about your flaw in character it's not about you as a human being it's they're not rejecting you as a human being it's really what they're saying to you is not that i don't like you bob or urgent they're saying is i need to better understand uh what you're saying what you're offering and how it connects with me so that's the key difference is you have to spin the language that you use and and move that language and redirect that thinking to something else you kind of have to do jujitsu on your mind and and transform that you know and and that's there's a wonderful book martin seligman dr martin seligman wrote called um oh my gosh i forgot the name of it right now but it's uh it's it's oh it learned optimism learned optimism and what he says is you've got to play jujitsu with your mind whereas to turn that language because it's you have self defeating language bob mm-hmm. you're i reject i got a rejection letter but instead of saying i got a rejection letter you have to say to yourself you know i got a letter that says you didn't communicate well enough or you didn't explain what you're trying to do well enough mm-hmm. and therefore you have another chance so i did this specific tool for landing my book deal okay uh for getting probably the biggest job in my corporate career at Pfizer creating that job i got a lot of rejection during that the course of the book deal trying to get a a publisher to publish my book embrace the chaos and trying to convince a senior vice president of the company to create a brand new function that did not exist it took me 18 months of lots of rejection from him and finally i convinced him and he allowed me he said okay fine you'll create this job you'll be you'll be you know a uh, head count of one and then i got a chance to create and create massive massive growth in the company and for myself and my for my career as well 
but it's really is the how you redirect that thinking jujitsu on that thinking from the rejection to opportunity to explain more. That's the way I would do it, Arjun. So now I have found my second person. First one, of course, was Thomas Edison, the second person from New Jersey who just goes through failures and every failure makes him invent a better light bulb. And you know, Bob, the thing that I loved was for all of us listening is very important to look at is a rejection or a failure is not, somebody is rejecting us as individuals or human beings. All they're saying is, I don't know you. I want to know you more because the very fact you build on the response and build on that, that's priceless. Yeah, and also I think, you know, you've got to have a clear vision, Arjun, of what you're trying to achieve, right? Mm -hmm. So I was trying to get that job. I imagine myself in that job and you have to want it really badly, right? Nowadays, I think a lot of us, we kind of want it. Yeah, mm -hmm. we want a great career. Yeah, you kind of want, no, but you really, really, really have to want it. You have to want it so bad that you can't visualize your life without that thing. And that allows you to persevere through hardship and problems and failures. So we're all going to get there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I absolutely get the impact of failures and rejections and it hurts me, you know, it hurts mm -hmm. me. But at the same time, what I try to do is to pivot. It's that mindset of the pivot. It's the jujitsu of the mind. And then give, go back to clarity of the vision you're trying to achieve. Because what you get is clarity of the current, which is rejection. Mm -hmm. What you need is clarity of the future, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got to give yourself, your mind, something to work towards to say, no, that's, that's my vision. That's what I'm trying to do. I mean, when you're talking about Edison, a wonderful example, you know, I need to create this light bulb. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I've got to figure out a way to happen. And so you go through all that rejection, all that failure for that particular vision. That's, that's the, really the, it's that perseverance comes through when that mm -hmm. vision is clear. And when you redirect your thoughts to something more useful and practical. Great insights, get clarity of future and don't get stuck with clarity of present that comes when somebody sends your rejection. So now let's go to another experience area of yours at Pfizer. This incredible sales guy, now number one, when he comes starts in pricing, like what was the connection of sales inside that got you excited about pricing and not once you work with three of the biggest brands at Pfizer ever. So what's your big secret to be a pricing expert? I wasn't a pricing expert. <laughs> I was a sales guy and I had no idea about pricing. I was not trained in pharmacoeconomics or financial modeling or any of that. Uh, it just so happened I was working full-time as a Pfizer sales rep in lower Manhattan was my territory. I was doing my MBA part-time and I had a class. I had, there was a professor who invited speakers from the class. Mm -hmm. And I knew, Arjun, that my goal was clear. I mm -hmm. wanted to work in international global business for Pfizer. That was mm -hmm. my goal, right? Mm -hmm. I really loved the notion of traveling, meeting people, doing interesting things all over the world. That was my goal, working in international business. So it happened to a professor in my class said, you know, he would invite speakers. So I, so I went to him, I said, you know what? Would you like a speaker from Pfizer International? And he said, sure. So I reached out to the president of Pfizer International at the time. He was the number two guy in the company. And he said, sure, I'll speak to your class, no problem. So I was dealing with his secretary, his assistant. And so I would call her 
we arranged the date for him to come speak at the class. I went to go pick him up at corporate headquarters. We drove down together in the car. I got to know him. He got to know me. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm doing the sales. He goes, oh, sales is great. You get to learn the customers, the competition. You get to know the product. Really on the ground, understanding how business is done, Bob. Great job. So he spoke at the class, Arjun. At the end of the class, he's headed home. And I said, do you mind if I call you for advice once in a while? He said, no problem, Bob. He was the head of Pfizer International, very senior guy. And I'm like a nobody sales rep, right? So he, we go back. The next day, I called his assistant to say, thank you for arranging everything. And I said, I'll be reaching out to him when I finish my MBA because I'd like to get a job at Pfizer International. You know, she goes, well, did you tell him that? Did you, you know, why don't you just send him a letter and just asking for kind of a help and advice on that? I said, well, yeah, sure. So I sent a letter. A week later, Arjun, I got a call from a head of HR. Hmm. The, my boss says he's impressed with you and he'd like me to interview you. I went in for that interview and they said, hey, we have this job in pricing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a department of three people. Mm -hmm. And they're looking to shake things up and bring somebody who understands the product, the customers, the competition, and you'd be great for it. And I said, look, I know nothing about pricing. I have no, I don't have, I'm just finishing my MBA. So, you know, no, no, you need to know about the customer. That's the mindset we're looking for and the product and the competition and so on. And so that's how I got into pricing urgent. I went in with a fresh, enthusiastic attitude and what I call the beginner's mind. You've got to have a beginner's mind. People are looking for fresh ideas, right? You're looking to grow. You've got to come at things in a, in a different way than the, it's been looked at in the past. And that allowed me in. And when I got into pricing, then I changed the team, I changed the structure, changed everything quite a bit because I brought in all this new energy. That's how I got into, the, in, into that department. And what's fascinating is like to me, we all hear about have a beginner's mind, be creative, new ideas. But what you showed me, Bob, is it's not just that I walk in and start BSing new ideas, but you anchored yourself with a thorough understanding of the mindset of the customer, which is you already had your true north. And having that anchor allowed you to brainstorm and big new ideas with a purpose. And that's the part where I just feel that, you know, in any business, what you just showed us right there was you really have to get why we are in the business, that mindset of the customer. Once you get it, then let's bring new ideas. That's right. Let's not. And I think that's something you had talked about from the beginning of this conversation is there's no shortcut to success. Okay. There's all about hard work. Like I grew up in India my grandma always told me that, hey, you know, you're not the smartest kid ever, but it was all about 99% inspiration and, sorry, 99% perspiration and 1% inspiration. And she said, smart people always, it always helps to be smart. Don't get me wrong, but it's the hard work that gets you forward for sure. And I love that. Yeah. You know, Arjun, to that point, you say about hard work. So when I got into this department in this corporate, in this big company, I didn't know how to use Excel, mm -hmm. okay? This was like 90, 1996 or something, 97. And I didn't know how to use Excel. So I came in on Saturdays. I worked from 10 a.m. And, you know, corporate at that time, nobody worked the weekends, okay? Mm -hmm. And so, but I came in on Saturdays. I would bring my bagel and my coffee in the morning to the corporate headquarters in New York City on 42nd Street. 
I'd come in about eight or nine o'clock in the morning from Brooklyn, where I lived in Brooklyn Heights. And I'd be there for three, four hours learning and teaching myself Excel every single day, every single Saturday. And I did that for months. And then I did the same thing about speaking and learning and reading about the industry, about the customers and the customers were changing. And that's absolutely the true north you say, Arjun, is that the environment is changing so quickly. So you can't focus on the quote unquote, the environment, you can focus on the customer. When you focus on the customer and understanding how they're shifting and they're thinking differently, how they're behaving differently, then you can be in a better position to respond with your offerings in the marketplace. And that was really one of my big learnings is the effort and the dedication that one has to put to win big. So if you go back to the whole 23 years at Pfizer, all the amazing people you met, all the role, uh, great impact you had, what are a few key top level insights that you are comfortable sharing with the rest of us? Well, I think in corporate America, you know, especially a large company, um, Fortune 500 company, like I worked at Pfizer, I mean, I'm, I'm very grateful for the experiences. I think number one is really, you have to be uh, understanding people. Mm-hmm. You've got to build a network of friends in the company, okay? Mm-hmm. And you build friends and relationships based on understanding, asking people questions, going and asking for advice, asking for their story, what makes them tick, going and offering help, giving value, have nothing replaces, okay? The relationships and the networks, because you never know who you're going to report to or who's going to report to you. You just never know who's going to become the next CEO or the next president and so on and so forth. The person, by the way, Arjun, that I ended up pitching this concept of this new function, he was a VP, okay? VP of a couple of countries in Europe. He ended up becoming the CEO of the company. Hmm. He got to know me really, really, really well because I was in his office every day pitching him this concept and being rejected by him, okay, Mm -hmm. almost every single day. But only years later, he became CEO. So number one, very important is people. Get to know the colleagues and the people around you. Build those relationships. That's number one. Number two is be different, okay? You know, I tried to get a job. When I was in pricing at some point, I tried, you know, I was frustrated because I wasn't growing. And there were all these hundreds and hundreds of people in brand marketing and product marketing. Okay, <laughs> Hundreds of people, 800,000 people. And it was a sexy thing to do. And I applied for a job in marketing. I didn't get in uh, because anyhow, I, I was doing, finishing up my MBA. And they said, no, we want somebody from like a big top school MBA program. I was really hurt. And then I went back and I, I actually went deep and built my own, you know, and, 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 and built my own function. But the point of it is, is that There were 800 people, all these people in marketing. There was me and two other people in pricing. Mm -hmm. And guess what? I became a real expert in pricing. And then a couple of years later, pricing became super, super important. And guess what? I had no competition. Internally, senior management would call me and say, you know, we need some pricing expert in France and Germany. I had learned all about all these systems around the world. So I was the expert. And guess what? There was no other competitor internally that knew everything about pricing as I did. They knew a lot about marketing, a lot about product brand management and so on. And so be different. So the point of this is be different. Go where there's less competition, find a niche, understand that niche and become an expert in that niche. So those two big lessons I learned in corporate is know people, 
love and get to know people, understand people, build relationships. And the second is find a niche. Don't follow the herd. Don't go where everyone else is going. Because why? Because it's harder to stand out. Being a marketer between you, know, you and 900 other people, it's very hard to stand out. But guess what? One out of three people in the pricing department who knew a lot about pricing, guess who's going to, they, they're going to choose to price Viagra or to work on pricing strategies that are really important. It's going to be you. And guess what they're going to do is they're going to, you're going to be noticed and you're going to get elevated. So those are the two big, one, two bigger lessons I learned in corporate. Love that. And to me, I think, especially the second one is very important because the world doesn't need another Bob. The world needs that one of one Bob who I did not know exist. And to me, again, I, when I got to know you, I was really fascinated by your conversation where on day one, you were kind enough to see my needs. And you literally gave me everything, of course, other than your credit card number and social <laughs> security number, which I'm still waiting for. But it was so incredible that you right away saw what I needed and you right away gave that to me. And so to me, I think, you know, I truly appreciate, you know, how you are unique, a giving person. And that's one of the things I think, even though you talk about getting to know people, one of the things I have seen in interactions is knowing is not about asking knowing is about giving. And I want to, from there, pivot to that incredible sign, which is there, you know, uh, behind you, embrace the chaos. So to me, you're really committed to that. Your business is about it. You've written a book, amazing bestseller about it. So what's the promise of the book? When anybody reads the book, what should be one thing that they do not know that niche from Bob, they should take away from that? Look, I think we're living in times of profound change, complexity, uncertainty, and speed, urgent. And we see this, I've been saying this for, since the book came out in 2013 and way before that, I had the blog. So I've been saying this for 10 years. We're living in these very chaotic times. And the promise of the book is that to recognize that you can't control the chaos. Mm-hmm. You can't control the world. You can only control yourself, your words, your thoughts, your actions. So the promise of the book is to continue moving forward. If I were to summarize it in two, way, two words, it's move forward. Keep moving forward because, because you must, must believe that what is hard and what is difficult, which is this chaos, will make you better, will make your business grow, will make your life grow, will make your career grow. You, we must do what's hard. Arjun, you know, one of the things I've learned over the years is that, you know, the mind is a muscle, right? It requires tension and resistance to grow. So, you know, if you want to, if you're lifting weights, right, you've got to have tension. You've got, if you want to grow the muscle in your arms, your biceps, you've got to have heavy weights, right? Because they give you tension. Well, the same thing, chaos in life we run away from it. We avoid hard, doing what's hard because, well, it's hard. It's painful, right? It, it makes us, it forces us to do things that are uncomfortable. Well, what I'm saying is we must embrace that discomfort. We must do what's hard because the mind is a muscle and requires tension and resistance to grow. If you don't have tension and resistance, Arjun, you're not going to grow. And I'm sure you've had the same experiences in your career in the food business, right? Yeah. And I think what you talk about really sinks when I was working with in the branding for a top golfer. 
And he talked about at any point of time, he's very successful. If he can focus of the, on the only one thing he needs to do at that point of time, when he's chewing gum, he just chews gum. When he walks, he appreciates every step. And then he also flipped and explained to me, Arjun, disaster happens when I try to control things that were not meant to be controlled by me. Yes. If the weather is changing, I'm cold and I'm not, you know, I cannot complain that there's wind. If a competition or another player is swearing, I get upset. Do I control whether he swears? No. Is it illegal to swear? Absolutely not. So to me, I really love that part that you talked about is our the two steps that you talked about is that you control your action, move forward. And then secondly, there was a little bit of, or a quite a lot of humility that you are fortunate to be in a chaos because chaos, as you explained, the tension moves us forward. So I want to go to Dairy Queen and your family business. You started work there. How did that help you create all these dots that you later on connected to create this incredible book, yeah, I, w I was very uh, fortunate to uh, be in a, come uh, to America as an immigrant, mm -hmm. and we came with seventy five dollars in our pocket uh, from India. And, you know, I mowed lawns and I worked at a local Dairy Queen. And one of the uh, through a family member, you know, we learned that another Dairy Queen was for sale. So my parents, we borrowed some money, and we started that Dairy Queen franchise in New Jersey. And it was a wonderful experience because I worked there all the time. So Saturdays and Sundays, we worked there all the time. We never got paid, by the way. My sisters and I, we worked all the time. Like anybody in family business, you work your butt off and you never get paid. What I learned from that business was people. Understanding human emotion, connecting with people. Now, I'd have kids who were my age who, was working, who were working there, were giving away ice cream to their friends. I would have to manage that. So I would have to manage these kids my, my age who, were, who had bad habits and some had great habits. They were wonderful people. So I had to manage that. I had to manage customers and I had to manage suppliers and vendors. And the, the fundamental thing I learned about is human beings and emotion and how do you manage and connect with that? How do you resonate with that people? And so that's the one big thing I learned about people management and sales and customer service and really human being management. And that's the one thing I learned. Second thing I learned was the work ethic. You've got to constantly move. Every single moment you're standing still, you're going backwards. So you've got to innovate. You've got to come up with new ideas. You've got to clean the store. You know, when, you, when, it's, when you know, my, uh, we had a phrase at the Dairy Queen, when it's time to lean, it's time to clean. And so when, you know, if you have nothing to do, if there's no customers coming in, you know, employees would lean against the machine or the stool or, or the chair. And the idea was that, well, when it's time to lean, get going, do something productive, do something useful, which is clean the store, mop the floor, you know, clean up. So the work ethic in a small business is super incredible. You know, my mom, my dad, my sisters and I, we worked there seven days a week. 350 days a year. We closed for a couple of weeks over the holidays and the Christmas, but that work ethic is immeasurable. And then the final thing is I think urgent is just doing the right thing. You know, a lot of times we'd have customers who would, you know, the kids would drop the ice cream cone. You know, you replace that cone for free. It's because integrity matters. You know, it's the right thing to do. 
-hmm. And so that, that, those are the kind of lessons I learned at the Dairy Queen. And by the way, I wrote about it in a book called Treat Your Customers. Love that. Looking forward to it. So to me, I think all of us face chaos. All of us go through transformation. What is one common misconception that you want to debunk about embracing chaos and transformation? I think the fundamental thing is people perfect, people wait. You know, we all get stuck. We wait for the perfect moment. People mm -hmm. want the perfect thing, Arjun. And I'm sorry to tell you, and it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. There is no such thing as perfection. Perfection mm -hmm. is an illusion of our mind trying to bring order to life that has none. Nothing is perfect. So we wait, we wait. Well, I'm going to wait for a better environment to quit my job and start my business. Oh, I'm going to wait for January to reach out to that customer because I'm not ready. Oh, I'm going to wait to propose to that girl or, you know, that guy. I'm going to wait to wait, wait, wait. We wait for so long because we expect things to be so perfect. I'm mm -hmm. sorry to say nothing is perfect. No perfect job, career, business, spouse, life, or child. Perfection is an illusion. And so the, the myth I want to debunk is stop waiting and start running. Start taking action. Start making a contribution to people around you. Give value to wherever you are in whichever situation you're in right now. Start taking action. Start moving forward. Because the more you wait, the more you overthink and you get behind. So stop waiting, start running. And I again connect back to your rejection letter that got you the sales job was when you got that. Yes, some of us may have noticed the phone number. Some of may ask, few of us would have even thought one day, maybe I should call. But what changed Bob's life was he started running. He picked up the phone and he called maybe every day. So Bob, if you were not in this profession, okay, if you could do anything else and just wanted to, you know, have a, ask you a goofy question, what would Bob be doing, you know, if he was not in this career? I would be taking people on a, a kind of a tour, if you will, a transformational journey to different parts of the world. That's what I would be doing. I'd be a tour guide, an inner tour guide, if you will, to take people to India, to different places in the world, to have them experience what life is really about, which is it's, it's very chaotic. It's very different. I'd, I'd be a tour guide because I love traveling. I love mm -hmm. meeting people. I love going to faraway places and having different types of food and then hearing stories. So I love storytelling. You know, Arjun, I, I had a grandmother who used to tell me stories when I was a kid growing up. And so I love hearing stories. I love telling stories. And so I'd love to take people in different places to do storytelling and learn from their story and share the stories around us. That's what I would be love to do. So let me put you on the spot. If tomorrow Bob starts his world famous touring company, how would that, and I'm stealing your thoughts and playing it back to you, what would be the niche? How would that be different from any other touring company on this planet? Well, I'm, it's about the inner journey. So the, inner, you know, the touring company would generally be about, let's see the place. Mm -hmm. What I'm about is let's see your inner place because people are stuck, right? Mm -hmm. People overthink, they wait for perfection. They do all these things. They're afraid of embracing chaos and change. What I want to do is be able to take people out of that and talk to them about them, 
about their issues, their problems, their issues they're going with. And what happens when we travel, Arjun, is we break through the noise in our head to experience real life. And we recognize that the kind of things that we're dealing with in our head are fictional sometimes, right? You know, they're just fictional. And so really it's about inner transformation, using external experiences to have that inner breakthrough. So I'm not a tour guide, I'm an inner guide. And that's the okay. difference I would have. I love that. And looks like you have been thinking about this a lot too. So to me, the moment you're ready, my wife Chitra and myself, we want to be customers <laughs> one and two, and we are ready to go on the inner journey with that amazing inner guide. So you're listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. And today my VIP guest is amazingly fascinating and speaks from the heart, Bob Mizlani, a global thought leader. He's the author of three books, has 23 years of incredible Pfizer experience, keynote speaker, an advisor to CEOs, but most importantly, he connects the dots in each one of these experience elements and works his backside off every day to stay ahead. So now this last section, Bob, is a fun section where this is rapid fire kind of a questions, like three to five word answers. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Okay. So you would have been successful in any field. So what's your advice to anyone in any walk of life to be a successful leader? One thing, three to five words. Be curious, ask a lot of questions, think differently. Love that. Why do brands, uh, so how do you define a big win? A big win is when you've achieved a goal that you've been thinking about for a long time. Okay. Next is, what's the one big reason businesses fail to win big? They don't change. They don't adapt to the environment. Okay. So most leaders... I work with, especially athletes, they remove some words from the dictionary. I know athletes who have even removed the word no literally from a small dictionary when they were kids. What's a word not in Bob's dictionary? Rejection. I could have guessed that. I should have guessed <laughs> that. So I should have said other than rejection. Other than that, rejection. I think is, I love that. Absolutely. You know, and if you're listening, if you want to give business to Bob, never send him a rejection letter because he'll <laughs> take any information out of that and he will make it a persistent challenge and you will win by working with Bob, of course. So Bob, if you, you know, amazing journey, if you could go back in time and advise that kiddo who was working very hard, graduating from high school, what would be one advice you will give him that will set him up for future? You know, I would say is uh, act fast do things sooner than you think you want to do them. And don't wait. The more you delay, the more challenges you're going to be, you know, you're going to have. Do it sooner, do it faster, do it earlier. Don't delay. Think about not failing and mm -hmm. just do things. And so take action faster is my, is my, is my advice. Brilliant. And the next question is, you know, I find leaders like you, there's a process because success that's not planned cannot be repeated and you cannot bet on that. You know, it's like if I won money from a lottery, I cannot run my household based on that. Right. So I just want to ask you in your work life, is there a ritual that you're comfortable sharing first thing you do in the morning and something last thing you do in your workday that defines Bob and defines your success? 
Yeah, I think uh, rituals are very important, Arjun, as you know. Uh, you know, I always um, like to say is that I can't control my day, but I mm-hmm. can control my morning. So when I get up earlier in the morning, so I, if you get up between 5.30 and 6 or so, I exercise. I immediately, immediately exercise. And what I mean by that is that I actually untie my sneakers, get my socks out, the t-shirt, the shorts I'm going to wear, and put it where I brush my teeth. Because if I'm trying to put my, you know, shoelaces, you know, take it out and put it back in, I'm going to think twice and say, no, I'm going to go back to bed, right? So I kind of create an environment for myself. So I exercise right away. Mm-hmm. I, I do a little bit of meditation. Uh, I read a little bit. Uh, I do prayer. And then I get right to work. Uh, mm-hmm. But if I don't exercise, I don't feel good. Mentally, I'm not in a good position when I don't get at the blood flow going in the morning. It's really, really, if I exercise in the morning, I am really good for the day. If I don't, I have a terrible day and something is itching and bothering me inside and it just bubbles up to a very unproductive day. So that's the number one thing I would recommend to people is, you know, feed the mind positive seed and you eat great for the rest of the day. You know, if you feed the mind a negative seed, I don't listen to the news. I, I stop looking at the newspapers and all that in the morning. I could do that in the afternoon, but I don't read the news or put negative things in my head because it's like eating a cheeseburger in the morning. You're going to have trouble digesting that the entire day versus putting something positive in your head. I also started doing intermittent fasting, Arjun. Mm -hmm. You know, my wife got me into it and it's actually changed my life quite a bit. I I didn't realize how tired I became after I ate. And so I don't eat in the morning. I have a cup of tea or a black coffee or something in the morning. uh, And then I eat about 1230, 12 Mm o'clock. And actually I'm super productive and super focused without food. I'm like shocked because I needed like five meals a day <laughs> normally, but I've been doing this for like now a couple of years and it's just fantastic. It changed my life. Very productive. Thank you for sharing. So, well, you know, this is such a fascinating conversation. Is there, if you were in my shoes, what would be one thing you would ask Bob? Well, I think, you know, right now people are trying to figure out the future, uh, you know, in this pandemic world. And so, you know, my, my thought is that urgent, I think, you know, the advice I would give to people right now is to create, start creating new opportunities, new ways of thinking, you know, you have a job, well, come up with a new project, okay, mm-hmm. give yourself a project and create something, create something that didn't exist before, create a new way of working, bring in a new product, bring in a new customer, you know, and so if you're not, if you have a business, so create a new offering, I don't know what it is, think about it you know, get people together, but create something because creation is really a wonderful thing and can lead us to so many new opportunities, you know, in a, in, a, in six months or in 12 months, because the marketplace has changed so fundamentally. And so right now is the time to create some new things. That's what I would suggest people to do right now. Thank you, Bob. This is really such a fascinating conversation. And If I have to take one thing from this conversation, to me, it's all about rejections are such incredible opportunities. And that's the part where I really loved that story about 20 no's. And I also love the fact that you found that phone number and then you didn't stop. You just didn't stop. And that to me was incredible. Second, I think, you know, it was, It was a great story to hear 
But then when I was struggling on how do I get into that Bob mindset of not stopping even after 20 failures, I really think you really hit home with me and all of us is when you explain that failure is not a rejection of the human being. It is a plea or an urge or a request for the other person by saying, I don't know enough. Okay. I need to know, which means the person is inviting you, giving you permission to share. And that's huge. And then there was another really philosophical statement. I really think that's the part where that inner tourism tourist guide is coming up is you talked about how get clarity of the future and don't get stuck into clarity of the present because future is where we need to get to. Two more things I think you know you talked about was when you talked about your book chaos, you talked about, of course, you know, keep moving and also appreciate and embrace chaos. Chaos is we are fortunate because chaos can jumpstart you and take you to higher levels. Because Bob, if you think back, this has been a very difficult year for every one of us. Yes. But if you and I did a shared audit of each other's life. This has been also the most productive year for you and me because we have never. So the whole question is that, yes, we need to stay safe and everything, precautions are important, but why did we need a chaos and a crisis of this level to really push to the level Bob can go or Bob already does, Arjun can go. And finally, if you are listening to this podcast, don't stop at a rejection. And as you plan, stop waiting and start running. Bob, truly appreciate you taking the time and sharing with me and this fascinating conversation. Arjun, thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to speak to you. I mean, you're a legend and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be on your podcast. Thank you. Truly appreciate it. So thank you all for listening to this fascinating conversation with Bob Mislani. Please subscribe, share, and review the podcast with your friends. This is Arjun Sen, and I'm going to look forward to bringing you another amazing conversation with another fascinating leader from another part of the world, another walk of life, because together, we all need to be on the path to win big. Thank you, and keep listening. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango. Brand Whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.